One of the benefits of growing up in the mountains of North Carolina for me, among many of them, but one of them was being exposed to contemporary Christian music uh, by all of my Baptist friends. In my neck of the woods in Boone, North Carolina, there was not a whole lot of us Lutherans. As a matter of fact, I remember as a young child when I was going through the line at the, uh, for, for lunch, uh, there was a young girl beside me in my class and she asked me if I, if I went to church. And I said, yes, I go to the Lutheran church. And then she proceeded to ask me if Lutherans were Christians because her preacher had told her that Lutherans were going to hell. And so I went home and told my dad through tears that we were going to hell. <laughs> he assured me that we were not. And that first initial experience with uh, my Baptist friends, uh, notwithstanding, later on they were indeed uh, great friends for me. They uh, had large youth groups and our youth group would go and join there sometimes and, and we would do things and and the thing that I remember was that they would expose me to people like Amy Grant or and Sandy Patty, Michael W. Smith, and Stephen Curtis Chap. These were early Christian artists. And Stephen Curtis Chapman had a song that I like a lot. And I wanted to share it with you a little bit to, of it today because I think that it speaks to our Lenten setting and our Lenten reality. The name of the song is The Chain. And he has these words. These are the words of the song. Well, I got myself a t-shirt that says what I believe. And I got letters on my bracelet to serve as my ID. I got the necklace and the keychain and almost everything a good Christian needs. I got the little Bible magnets on my refrigerator door and a welcome mat to bless you before you walk across my floor. I got a Jesus bumper sticker and the outline of a fish on my car. And even though this stuff's all well and good, I cannot help but ask, what about the change? What about the difference? What about the grace? What about forgiveness? What about a life that's showing that I'm undergoing a change? Lent is our yearly opportunity to change. Jesus invites you to change. Jesus invites you to be different than you were before you began following Him. And perhaps one of the most powerful examples of this is our friend from today's Gospel lesson, Nicodemus. You see, in our lesson today, we have our first introduction to Nicodemus, and he comes to Jesus. But when did he come to Jesus? At night. At night. Why? 
Because he did not want to be seen with Jesus for fear of what his colleagues in the Sanhedrin might feel. The Jewish leadership. What they might say or honestly what they might do to him. Now, think about it. How many times in our life, how many times in your lives have you gone to Jesus at night? Maybe with that question you were afraid to ask in polite company. Perhaps with that frustration that you didn't want to share with your Christian friends. Maybe with that shame you didn't want anyone else to know. You see, Nicodemus is indicative, I believe, of our realities. Where, where we go to Him because He is the only one whom we can. Indeed, Nicodemus must have felt something, must have had some inspiration to go to Jesus, but he wasn't quite yet ready to make that known. Well, later on through the Gospel of John in chapter 7, we see Nicodemus again. The chief priests and the, the temple leaders, well, they're discussing Jesus and why he had not been arrested yet by the temple police. The police had been moved by Jesus' words and they did nothing and this upset the religious establishment. They were accused then, the police, of being deceived and the crowds who were following Jesus were, were accused of being cursed. And here was the beginning, the first step that Nicodemus took in his life of faith. He, he spoke up and he said, well, I think your desire to arrest him is unjust. And how was, he, how was it reacted to him? It was reacted like this. The response of the other temporal leaders was a racist one, actually. They said to him, surely you are not also from Galilee. Galilee being seen by those who were in the metropolis of Jerusalem as a place full of undesirables. Surely you are not from Galilee. Search and you will see that no prophet could ever come from there. Indeed, Galilee was the other side of the tracks, if you will. God would not dare live among them. So perhaps in your life, when you have spoken out about your faith, have you received similar reactions? Maybe from people you did not already know. Or perhaps from people you did know really well. The, the thing here is how Nicodemus responds. We aren't told. We aren't told, but I would assume if Nicodemus is anything like me and perhaps you, that that can shut you down pretty quick being put down by your peers, being put down by those whom you have relationship simply because you have a different belief. Well, time goes on, and eventually the establishment gets what they want. And they take Jesus' life at the cross. And then we read about Nicodemus again. It's after the crucifixion that Nicodemus comes to anoint Jesus' body and give Him a proper Jewish 
burial. Now, I, I will not and I cannot presume to know what Nicodemus or any of the other disciples were thinking at that moment. I don't know. But we are told of this simple act of devotion. That this devotion to Jesus by the Nicodemus who had first come to him at night, who had dared to speak out against him to the religious establishment, and then at his death is willing to still provide an act of devotion to him, it intrigues me. This whole Nicodemus experience intrigues me for I believe it speaks to what was sung by Stephen Curtis Chapman about a change. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night when it was safe. But that led him then to speak out about what his belief about who Jesus is and how Jesus has changed his life and he does that at risk. And then finally, he offers an act of devotion. And here's the thing. You and I live like Nicodemus in the aftermath of the cross. We live in the shadow of the cross, if you will. And while we do that, what we see is that in our understanding of God, it is on the cross that we see God most fully. At Lenorine College, where I studied, my Reformation professor was Bishop Michael McDaniel. And Bishop McDaniel said these words. He said that God is seen most clearly in the despised Jesus on the cross. Why? For it is here that we see the lengths to which God is willing to go for us. You know, I've often wondered why the Christian symbol is not a stone. Think about it. What was rolled away on Easter Sunday? A stone. Resurrection, the new life-giving Jesus. Why is the stone not our symbol? Instead, it is an instrument of torture and death. We have crosses around our necks, on our automobiles, in our art. A cruel, disgusting, tragic symbol. Yet we do this, I believe, because Dr. McDaniel was right. We see God most purely in sacrificial discipleship on behalf of another. Through the cross, we are shown the fullness of our sin that separates from God, but it also shows us the lengths to which God has chosen to go to do something about it. We, like Nicodemus, I believe, can remember when we first came to know Jesus and find out what following Him means. And it may have caused us at that moment to want to go to Him at night. But like Nicodemus, we were changed after those six hours on the cross. Our Lenten season is about change. It's about the change in your life 
is about to change in the church. It's about all of us reorienting toward the witness and the power of the cross. Now make no mistake, the cross does shame us. The cross shames our over-reliance on systems of power and control. It shames our overconfidence and strength without seeing the benefit and beauty in weakness. It shames and names our complicity in so many places of hurting other people. Yet the cross also saves us. For it is there that the fidelity of God is on full display. The the lengths to which God is willing to go to share our reality, even the great common denominator of death, so that it might have not ultimate power, but indeed no power over us. It is the cross that stands to remind us that we are never too gone or too sinful, or too radical, or too afraid for God's amazing grace to permeate and change our hearts and give us the strength to take those steps out to speak up about who Jesus is in our lives and to offer acts of devotion to Him. It is the cross, I believe, and as our text tells us, that spurred Nicodemus to come out of the dark and into the light of faith. It is the cross that gave him strength. It is the cross that gave him purpose. And it is the cross that changed him. And it is the cross that changes us. In Jesus' name, amen.